My friends at Kevin's Worldwide is your full-service resource for branded merchandise. Kevin's is also one of America's largest distributors of promotional products and uniforms. You can reach them at kevinsww.com for the top brands of apparel and promotional products. And I mean, you can really reach them. Talk to a real person. Wow! So relax. From design to receipt of your order, you can be confident your imprinted product will represent you well. Contact them today at kevinsww.com. That's kevinsww.com. Thank them for supporting the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf. Entrepreneurs, small business owners, professionals who seek excellence, bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builder Show. Here's Marty Wolf. We still got a long way to go. Yes, we all got a long way to go. Welcome to the Business Builder Show. This is where we inform, educate, inspire, and entertain our audience of entrepreneurs, small business owners, and professionals who seek excellence. I'm your host for the Business Builder Show. My name is Marty Wolf. You can learn more about me and our shows at MartyWolfBusinessSolutions.com. That's MartyWolfBusinessSolutions.com. Along with my executive producer, Mr. D.C. Taylor, we will be your guides on this learning journey. D.C., glad you're with me again, man. Pleasure to be here, Marty. I couldn't do it without you. And that's right. completely true. Okay, I don't I'll know nothing it. about those controls. <laughs> All right. Love having you, DC. Thank you know. You. Thanks. Today, we are speaking with Dana A. Oliver, and he is the author of a book called Mantra Design Innovate, Buy, or Die Discover the Secrets for Profitable and Lasting Innovation. For the folks who follow the show, you know that Dana was on earlier, and actually, this is the second of nine interviews we are going to be doing with Dana Oliver because his book and his wisdom is worth nine interviews. Dana, welcome back to the Business Builder Show. Hey, good morning, Marty. Good morning, DC. And let me say it's an honor and a pleasure to be back on the Business Builder Show. This is going to be another fun show. I'm fired up. You know, there was great response from the first show. Everybody said, Marty, good move, you know, having him back and kind of going through the book. You know, it's great. Um, so let's let's not waste any time. Let, let's get right into it. And we're going to talk about mantra number two, which is in the book. Uh, <laughs> and you break it down that way. And if you're following along in the book, which you should have bought – already you know if not get it right away um let's go to here's what i want to know uh take it right out of your book and something i quite frankly have experienced so i guess this is a statement and a question dana Mm -hmm. so it my experience has been that sometimes scientists and engineers obviously they're they're very well educated and they're trained in their field but sometimes maybe I've seen it that they may not have the right skills, not all of them, but they may not have yeah. the right skills to be customer-facing employees. Would you agree, disagree? Give me some thoughts. Oh, you're absolutely correct, Don, Marty. There's no doubt about it. I mean, engineers are really smart people, but there's a lot of stigmas. And stigmas come because of, in some case, reality, right? I mean, you, you see engineers with pocket protectors or slide rules in the old mm-hmm, days, and mm-hmm. they're highly technical. And a lot of these guys you have to hide in their office. 
they're <laughs> really super smart and boy, they can break down analytics and they just maybe love math or love science. However, when it comes to talking to customers and making observations, they're probably not the best people you want to put forward. Yeah. You know, I talk about this. It's kind of no different than, you know, imagine being the president of the United States and, and hiring, you know, someone to be, lead your press conferences. Boy, imagine if you, you were going to hire someone there that was an outright slob or didn't have, you know, a great um, handle of language. Yeah. You know, it would just embarrass the president, right? Yeah. And, and, and finding unmet need is no different. If you want to put the right people in front of your customers, you, they – the people that that you want customer facing with, in my case, doctors, boy, you know, you have to be smart. You have to uh, be articulate. You have to be inviting. Uh, you have to listen to what they say. You have to understand uh, their world. And that's kind of the essence of mantra number two, right? We talk about learn your customer's world. Yeah. Boy, you have to educate your people. You need to learn anatomy. You need to, you know, understand um, – uh, um, it, disease states. You need to be able to talk to your customers and see what they're saying and yeah. understand that. So yeah, no, not everyone is meant or or right. And I think in this world of political correctness, a lot of people might not agree with that. But look, that's reality. That I mean, reality. It, it's kind of like you know, look, I'm five eight and one sixty. Boy, it'd be nice to be a basketball player or a professional football player, but you can't teach height. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't. At least not through my experience. I've tried to do that a couple times. It didn't work. Um, yeah, but mantra number two, just to remind folks, is it, it, uh, what the title of the chapter is, Learn Your Customer's World. You mentioned that earlier. Um, and and, and that's, that's what we're really talking about. So, yeah, and customer facing is uh, just simply means that the, it's, you know, who are the folks that talk to customers directly and and, and relate with those customers. And to, and to put this in context, we, we need to mm-hmm. make sure that we put it in context because you said something about your world, and your world was Medtronic. And Medtronic did what? Well, Medtronic is huge. It's the biggest medical technology company in the world of revenues of $28 billion. I worked in their ENT, ear, nose, and throat, uh, neurologic technologies division, which I helped grow from $100 million to $2 billion uh, in revenue. So that's where my specialty lies. So that's why you mentioned doctors and scientists and engineers, because that was your world. And right. And um, they play in a critically important part of it. All right. Well, staying with the same thought of learn your customer's world. So so I guess the next obvious question is, well, should you really look to hire, train and retain folks who are good at listening and understanding customers' biggest challenges? Is, is that vitally important for a company like Medtronic or anybody in that world? You know, I would tell you, this is where what I refer to the magical pixie dust. You know, we talked a lot on the first interview about emotional intelligence, uh, which is essential. For me now, it's a, what I call emotionally intelligent innovation leadership. And being an innovation leader, that, you know, part of that is you have to understand who do you need for your team. So if I need design engineers, which obviously I do, they're going to be part of my stable of uh, engineers. But then there's also going to be very different engineers. I'm going to look for engineers that are, you know, are comfortable in an OR setting that really enjoy spending time with doctors and, and, and being around uh, nurses or assistants. You know, they're not afraid of blood. What good is it to hire the smartest PhD in the world that's great at math and science if they're afraid of blood? Hmm. I mean, it doesn't make any sense, right? right yeah. So part of being that being the leader of an R&D group, at least, you know, understanding you have to know who you need for your team. And there's different team players, right? Not everyone can be the chief. 
Right. So yeah, part of that is you need guys that are real. Maybe maybe they're not as great at that the math and science, albeit they still be called an engineer. Yeah. But the reality is is that if they're more better skilled at talking to a customer or or making subtle observations, boy, they're going to help you with your breakthrough innovation. Because that's the thing when you learn your customer's world, you can verbatim look at what they're going to tell you. But you know. Um, uh, Henry Ford said it best. If I asked my customers what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. Yeah, I love that. That's very <laughs> thought provoking. I love that. Um, staying with the same theme of hiring the right people in the right places and that kind of thought. You do refer in this chapter to uh, you put in here in quotes and in bold the right people on the bus. And yeah. that's a reference to Jim Collins, correct? Yeah, that's spot on. Yeah. Uh, Jim talks about hiring the right people, and and to me, if if you hire the right people, and like Jim says, you can you you know you can get to the right place. It's hard to be great. I mean, again, we talk about having you know in our first episode, it was important to have a great strategy, but then you need an equally effective infrastructure. But that's only two legs to the stool. You need to have the right people on the bus. Yeah. And for me, you know, it goes back to hiring the right staff, getting the right people, the right scientists, strong, strong mathematicians, the creative type people, as well as the customer facing people, as well as the leadership, because that's where the pixie dust comes in. If you yeah. hire the if you hire the right leader, they can excite and still, they can create that vision, they can articulate, you know, what they want their troops to do, they can align everybody. Uh, to make sure uh, they're in the right places and you're working on the right things. Okay, so here's a question. So you mentioned the idea of a leader, how important that is. Can people become better leaders? So they're in a situation. Can they get better? Oh, absolutely. I say this all the time. Leadership is no different than being a great golfer or or a good mathematician. It, It takes practice. So if you really want to be good at what you do, you know, you you have to be dedicated to it and you need to aspire to be better. So you can read 30 books that might suggest you're an expert on the topic, but it's kind of – if I read 30 books on how to swim but I never swung, (laughs) do do you really think I can jump in the pool and be a very good swimmer? The answer is no. I mean so leadership is no different. There's – part of that you need to read. You need to aspire to do better. But as you get – as you begin to lead more and more people, you're going to learn from those experiences. You're going to make adjustments yeah. uh, on how you treat people. And the more you do it, the easier it gets. It's no different than public speaking. The more you do it, the better you're going to be at it. And leadership is exactly you need to practice it to be good at it. Yes. Um, boy, right. Spot on. Okay. Let's move to mantra number three, which is chapter four in the book. And again, the book by Dana A. Oliver. The title of the book is Mantra Design, Innovate, Buy or Die, Discover the Secrets for Profitable and Lasting Innovation. Dana, before we move to this chapter, uh, how do people reach out to you? Tell us that again. Oh, thank you for that, Marty. The best way to contact me or to you know look at the book is through my website, which is www.mantra, M-A-N-T-R-A, leadership.com. One word, Mantra Leadership. They can preview the book. They can look at our interview, the last interview we did, as well as many others. Um, and, you know, that's the best way they can make contact to me. Uh, and, and if they like what they see, then great. Okay, mantra number three, the title of this chapter is... Innovation begins with an I, and it's E-Y-E. Innovation begins with an I. So uh, it starts out talking about things I'm familiar with and a lot of people are going to be familiar with. Um, 
programs or systems like Six Sigma and Total Quality Management and StageGate and, and, yeah. and, and these process improvement kind of programs. They're all important, are they not? Oh, they're absolutely important. I mean, example, you know, like a StageGate process, if you don't have that, I mean, how do you ever – you know, go from uh, gate to gate. Example, you know, you had to build your team, you need to define your product, you need to move forward with that, I, I identify what the inputs are, you need to do output. Anyways, the, the, yeah, the answer is they're all important, but here's the fallacy. All of those processes, whether it's Six Sigma or Total Quality, uh, to, excuse me, Total House of Quality, things like that, uh, they're good for better processes. And ultimately what they do is they help you with an improved safety and improved reliability for your end product. Mm -hmm. But they do very little to identify true unmet need or identify those innovation opportunities. I mean, if you, if you get the right person in place that really understands customers, uh, yeah, you can get there. But the reality is when I talk about, you know, uh, innovation begins with the eye, you know, you can go and have a great focus group and have the, the, you know, your key opinion leaders all at a table and you can take all these notes and you can take it at verbatim, but they're going to tell you what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. But what I found in my experience is when I, when I talk to people, you know, talk to doctors in particular and they tell me something, I find it interesting that when we go into a lab and, and, and part of me is I believe in simulated environments and that's how we did it at uh, Medtronic Surgical Technologies. We had a full working suite and we would bring it, we would, you know, have a staging area. We talked to our docs about maybe a new design or a procedural technique and they'd tell us, we'd take notes. Then we'd go into the lab on a cadaver and lo and behold, it would be like, what are you doing? You didn't tell us that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fascinating, huh? Oh, it's absolutely. And I think that's the key. So innovation begins with an eye. Is you can talk to as many customers as you want. You can understand, have their direct personal cell phone or know their admins. But the reality is until you get them in a surgical suite or in your customer, whatever your customer base is, a simulated environment, you're not, you need to watch them doing what they do because that's where potential unmet need is. When you see an, an unusual redundancy or you see a pain point that perhaps they've just got so used to doing, they no longer talk about it. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, DOS computers. There's all these little, you know, keys and strokes and it yeah. might not be very efficient, but you just get used to doing it. doesn't mean it's right or efficient or good. Yeah. This is applicable at any size business in, in, in anything that we do. So again, as I've I kind of cautioned people, uh, don't think this is just Medtronic. It's not, or big companies. Yeah. Whether you're a three-person team, you have customers. You need to understand them. You have to take a look, walk a mile in their moccasins, however you want to phrase this, <laughs> so that you, you, in fact, you know, you live their life and you see what they're doing. And as you pointed out, Dan, I'll repeat it, is that when you do that, you will see some potentially unmet needs. And that's where you can start talking about innovation. Is that okay to say it that way? Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think, like you said, you know, to me, the, you know, the book is about anyone who's an entrepreneur or an innovator or, or a business person. It, it, this is about customers. Business yes. begins and ends with customers. Yeah. And all products, here's the reality. You know, one of my foundational principles is, you know, you need to develop your products through your customer's eyes. And two, you need to continually invest at 10% or greater of your, as a percentage of your total revenues back into organic research and development. And nothing is ever 
invented. It, it, it is, but it, there's always a, the opportunity for continuous improvement. Yeah. I mean, the greatest example, if you look at cars, imagine if someone, you know, if you looked at the Model T and thought, hey, that's the best it's ever going to get. Yeah. Oh, my God. It, that, you know, evolution, you know, there's always better materials. There's always faster technology. There's always lighter materials. And that's, that's how evolution continues. And that's why there's an expression, kill the engineers. Engineers, because they're always reading technical stuff and learning, the reality is they want to keep on incorporating the greatest and newest stuff. But the reality is you need to get products to market and you need to iterate that and make it simple and keep going forward. Yeah, keep it simple. You mentioned that in my, uh, you know, in, in, in the email that you sent me in our, our conversations in terms of preparation for the show. Um, so one of the key things that you pointed out is directly connected to what we're already talking about is you need to be in their environment, understand what they already do, do the best you can to identify some unmet needs that may be helpful to them. And that could be as simple of helping them reorder things in a different way. It can be that simple. But if you're not living in their world and understanding what they're doing so that you can make new suggestions... So let's just uh, let's just say, okay, so you think you got this um, whiz-bang new idea, new product, um, but it might be cumbersome to use. So uh, yeah. let's talk about being user-friendly, and you, you really point that out well in the book. So talk to me about that, Dana. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, I have, a simple, I have a simple mantra, and that's, you know, simple beats better every time. Ah. And, and just because you might have some great technology and you see this all the time with people, you know, um, if it's not intuitive and easy to use and, you know, and, and computers are a great example of that. Why do you think they're aspiring so hard to, so that you can have voice recognition, you know, driverless cars? These are, you know, so at the, at the end of the day. You can have a great technology, and I've seen many, many great technologies, and computers are just a fantastic example to talk through. You know, the first computers were just terribly DOS, or, or, or right. if you look at programming languages, yeah. they were horrible. Yeah. But, you know, it was a great, people could see and experience what a great tool. But now if you look at their evolution, it's now becoming simpler and more simpler to use. Yeah. And that's the key. People just want to be able to turn, you know, hit the on button. And not even that, right? Even that is a, yeah. it, you know, is a an effort for people at times. Yeah. You know, they, they want their coffee to be ready. They want to be able to just have the latest news. So to me, it's about people's ecosystems. And so that's that's the beauty of the world we're living in today. You're seeing this massive paradigm shift from, you, you know, trying to make it more customer friendly. And, and it needs to be part of people's world. Yeah. And, and I'm telling you, the businesses that recognize that and aspire for that are the ones that are going to win at the end. And there's a lot of companies. If you look at the airline industry, for example, you know what? Do they really care about customers? People are just cattle. Um, and, and they, and they will be upset no different than these, yes. you know, a lot of these other big companies, it's right. going to happen. Right. Yeah. So again, uh, simple beats better every time. Is what, is that the exact quote? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's, that's solid too. And again, uh, simplicity is if a customer, whoever that is, customer client is, is, uh, tempting to use your product or service. And if it's hard to do it. Um, yeah. I don't know, maybe back to the drawing board, if you will. So, so that kind of leads me to the last part of this, uh, this chapter or, or this mantra, um, you know, the whole idea of uh, user friendly and turning something into a commercial success. And you have some thoughts on that. So share some of those with us. 
Yeah. I mean, I think it goes back to, you know, again, even though you might have a great product, it's easy to um, – it, it, so let's just say you, you've identified an unmet need and, you, and you're so excited about that unmet need. You try to, you know, build it into a product very quickly and bring it to market. Here's what can happen if you're premature. One, if you don't understand the value of what that unmet need might be to your customers, you perhaps might overprice it. And if you overprice it, Boy, you you know you're going to come out and you're going to have a distasteful taste by your customers. Conversely, what if you try to rush that product to market and it's not user friendly? Mm-hmm. And so you're you're you know you have competitors, what I call fast followers, that they look at what you do. They're going to get around your intellectual property, and if they make it simpler to use and mm-hmm. part of your customer's ecosystem, well, they're going to take your 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 business away. It's, you know, it's no different than the drug eluding stand, you know, between Johnson & Johnson and Boston Psy. You know, even though J&J ultimately invented, you know, the DES stand, you know, they went on back order just repeatedly and they charged an outrageous amount of money. And ultimately, at the end of the day, even though Boston Psy was a fast follower, um, as fast as you can be, you know, through drug eluding stents, they were able to take an amazing amount of share overnight. And the reason was, is they listened to customers. They they weren't looking to gouge them. They understood that having product available and on the shelf and, and, and available as they ordered it, they satisfied those needs. Did they make a different drug eluding stent? Not really. Was it better than J&J's? Not really. But what they did is they, they looked at the customer and said, my God, we can't gouge them. We need to have inventory in place. And so they, we need to be able to take orders and fulfill their needs. Um, yeah. To me, it's just a matter of it goes back to emotional intelligence, right? You need to understand your customer. So yeah. even though you might have a great breakthrough, boy, really what you need to be doing is understanding and, and uh, thoughtfully how you want to roll that out. And that includes everything from making sure you have the inventory to your pricings right to you know being able to have trained your sales force so that they're, they have the right message. And every product has flaws. Every product, you, you know, you have sure. attributes, you have detriments. Yeah. And you need to prepare your team for that. Yeah. So commercial rollouts – you know, are key. You need to think through them very carefully. And, and, and to me, it's all about getting back. That's what I mean. It takes a long time to get to simple. You keep on iterating and iterating your product until yeah. you know if I hear it 20 or 30 times from my customer said, hey, Danny, you got something special here. This will work. There you go. Boy, I, I, I'm, good. I'm good. I'm on it. And we're yeah. ready to go. Well, we need to wrap up this show. And again, another clinic. And there's more in uh, Mantra Number 3. And obviously, the book is loaded with this. And again, uh, people are going to keep coming back to keep getting these lessons. But I want to mention the book again. It's Mantra Design, Innovate, Buy or Die, Discover the Secrets for Profitable and Lasting Innovation. I've been speaking with Dana A. Oliver. Again, Dana, give us your website, the best way people can learn more about you, buy the book, etc. Thanks for that, Marty. Yeah, again, my website is www.mantra, M-A-N-T-R-A, leadership.com, one word, um, and best way to get in touch with me or to get a preview of it. That's and, and again, thanks, Marty. It's been a pleasure again to be part of your show, and I very much look forward to our next uh, next uh, time. Yeah, so this was number two. Number three is coming up, so stay tuned. Uh, check us out on SoundCloud, on iTunes. Subscribe so that you can get notified that um, Dan is coming up and uh, to stay in touch with us on all our shows. So again, to learn more about me, our shows, anything that we do, our great work, go to MartyWolfBusinessSolutions.com. That's 
MartyWolfBusinessSolutions.com. I'd love to hear from you. I have gotten a lot of feedback about Dana's first interview. I'm sure I'm going to get a lot more about this one. People are looking forward to it. So, Dana Oliver, thank you so much for being part of the Business Builders Show. And so on behalf of myself, Marty Wolf, and my executive producer, Mr. D.C. Taylor, we thank you so much for being with us. And we look forward to being with you again soon. So have a great week. Excellent. Thanks, Marty. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf. My friends at Kevin's Worldwide is your full-service resource for branded merchandise. Kevin's is also one of America's largest distributors of promotional products and uniforms. You can reach them at kevinsww.com for the top brands of apparel and promotional products. And I mean, you can really reach them. Talk to a real person. Wow. So relax. From design to receipt of your order, you can be confident your imprinted product will represent you well. Contact them today at kevinsww.com. That's kevinsww.com. Thank them for supporting the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf.